0: This is Sound Ideas. I'm Ryan Denham. Music journalist and critic John Milward argues the definition of Americana is so broad that it's become meaningless. In his new book, Americana Land, from the University of Illinois Press, Woodward traces the roots of Americana from the Carter family and Hank Williams in the 1920s and 30s to Jason Isbell and Brandi Carlile today. He tells John Norton the music does include blues, soul, gospel, folk, and bluegrass, but to him, today's Americana is just a grown-up version of rock and roll. Most of the songs have adult themes. The players aren't all old. They can be young. But it's not a transitory sort of pop music. It's a brand of pop music that is part of a country culture, part of a rock culture. It's more about um, quality music than catching the whiff of the moment.
1: John, why did you want to dive into where the roots of Americana are?
0: American music developed sequentially. On one side, you had race records. On another side, you had hillbilly records back in the 30s. And then it merged into rhythm and blues, country and western. And finally, the pop charts were in the 50s were taken over by rock and roll. But you look at Elvis, his first Sun single was an Arthur Big Boy Up blues, That's All Right, on one side, and Blue Moon of Kentucky, uh, Bill Monroe on the other side. I also argue that things like that and Buddy Holly and Jerry Lee Lewis in the 50s a lot of their songs were big hits on both the R&B stations and the pop stations and the country stations. In a sense, those guys were the ultimate Americana artists because they touched
1: all sorts of genres. Did this book take on a different form when it got done um, than you maybe originally conceived it as? Actually not, because I kind of knew where
0: we were, and once I had the beginning, what was a challenge and a pleasure was trying to draw connections between a wide variety of artists. For instance, in the first chapter, talking about Jimmy Rogers, I quote Steve Earle by saying, this guy practically invented my job. One guy with a guitar and a song. And Bob Dylan would similarly talk about what an inspiration Buddy Holly was for
1: him. I think that's one of the genius parts of this book is those connections you make. Another one was Al Green. And was it the wife of Hank Williams
0: that you you, you connected? It was his first wife. She was just a fixture, I guess, around Nashville. And I found that in, in his biography that Miss Audrey, he was with Miss Audrey and she was they were drinking champagne. She was playing him country songs. And as you recall, he did some he did a beautiful Hank Williams, he did for the good times, how can you mend a broken heart, all sorts of beautiful country songs interpreted with
1: a, a Memphis soul background and it fit perfectly. And when I talked to some of the blues guys a while back who especially were from the south and to talk about the black blues guys, they would tell me that they listened to country music, white country music coming out of on uh, nashville or memphis or wherever it might be and they love the old yodelers like jimmy rogers and some of those guys
0: well, even somebody like robert johnson certainly had his own songs but when you're out uh busking on the streets you've got to keep keep it rolling and he'll throw in a, a more contemporary uh, hit by jimmy rogers because jimmy rogers is basically a white blues guy
1: how about maybe there's a, a, another story or two that there's a lot of overlap in this music that a lot of people might not realize
0: i love buddy and julie miller years ago i saw them play at the bottom line in new york because they didn't tour that often it turns out that the buddy miller band in new york city in 1980 was the country band of the moment here and they didn't record or anything, but they played at the Lone Star Cafe backing country artists who had come in as well as doing their own gigs at other clubs. Part of the uh, Buddy Miller band was Julie. They had come up from Austin, Texas. And Larry Campbell, who went on later to uh, seven years playing with Bob Dylan and then with Levon Helm at the end of his life. At a certain point, Julie found the Lord, and left the band and went off to some Christian organization. And Buddy was left in New York with like a ledger full of gigs upcoming. So he said, oh, who was that woman in Austin? Oh, that's right. Sean Colvin. So he brought Sean Colvin up to New York to sing in a band. Some months later, Buddy left to go back to find Julie again. And, uh, Larry Campbell left the band. Sean was scratching around for a guitar player and had met a guy named John Leventhal, who was also part of that scene. So he joined the band. He eventually produced Sean Colvin's first record and later um, married Roseanne Cash and produces her records and writes with her. Finally, I think he produced the latest by Sarah Jaruz. So... There's just this intermingling of all these people. And Sean mentioned at one point she was playing Town Hall in New York after an album produced by Leventhal. And she invited Larry Campbell. And Buddy was in her touring band. So Larry Campbell and John Leventhal came to sit in. And she just said it was such a pleasure that they'd managed to go all these years still doing what they love. And none of them are huge stars, but they are intensely um, talented and enjoy what they do and make great music. So these connections just, particularly to Buddy, just uh, flourish. They go all all over the place.